Dun, 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 dun. Don't worry, Team USA. LeBron James will save you. LeBron James is on his way to save Team USA in the Olympics next year. We'll talk about that. Plus, is Luka Doncic overrated, underrated, or properly rated? And the NBA announces some new measures to try and curb load management. All that and more on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily source for all things NBA from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, NBA. Thanks for joining us and making us your first listen. We appreciate you guys joining us on whatever platform you've chosen, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us those five-star reviews, please, Spotify, or if you're checking us out on YouTube, you can catch a live version of the show on Monday afternoons with me and David, or as the season starts to get closer, we'll start doing this uh, a little bit later at night. We'll probably have our first night show after media day uh which i found out is in three weeks and not two today so i have a lot more time on my hands to try and come up with off-season content uh my name is matt moore i'm the senior nba writer for the action network co-host of locked on nuggets i'm joined by david ramil as i am every week he's co-host of locked on heat david how's it going it's going great uh looking forward to media day uh, also looking forward to uh, talking about actual basketball games being played and uh, feeling bad about team usa because obviously they struggled somewhat in the world cup games and now it seems like they've got a savior ready to make things better and just in time for a free trip to paris it all works out beautifully yeah so the athletic reported on monday after the team usa was bounced over the weekend by germany before germany won the entire thing uh, on Sunday um, over who is the, the star young player for Serbia that disappeared entirely down the stretch. <laughs> no, um, not quite. Like there's going to be a fine NBA player, but LeBron James is set to join the 2024 Olympics as the athletic reports that James has so strong an interest in one more Olympics that he is ready to commit for next summer and has also called multiple stars to essentially recruit them to join him with USA basketball in Paris. Multiple league sources told the athletic James has spoken to Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, Jason Tatum and Draymond green. And they're all prepared to commit as well. Separately, Phoenix's Devin Booker Portland for now uh, Damian Lillard, Sacramento's De'Aaron Fox, and Dallas's Kyrie Irving also have serious interest in committing. League sources said he, <laughs> like like Daniel Day Lewis in Last of the Mohicans, he will find <laughs> us and carry us home. I'm I'm annoyed. I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and say that, David. I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed for the guys lost. And they're going to have to carry that being a team USA that lost in international competition. That sucks for them. And Hey, they should have played better. You, you, you volunteer, you better uphold the standard. Didn't play well enough. Jaron Jackson didn't rebound well enough. All these guys underperformed a hundred percent, hold them accountable, but they showed up and they did the work. They went overseas in their off season to represent their country. And now LeBron rides in and I'll just say this too. If this thing is not in Paris, mm. if it's in Rio again, this conversation is probably wildly different. And that bugs the hell out of me. That said, I mean, it's LeBron's doing one. I don't blame him for kind of following the path that Kobe did, right? Like Kobe does what essentially was one more run in 2008. Like 
one more run with Team USA. Kobe wasn't as old as LeBron is now, but LeBron pulls in everybody. They, he gets to basically do the redeem team over again from 2008. It's a great narrative. They'll romp when they have all this talent because that's Team USA's biggest biggest advantage. And I don't think there's a team like Argentina or Spain like there was in 2008. Like these teams were good this year, but not that level. Right. Serbia maybe if Jokic plays. But yep. I'm just mostly just like, come on, man. Like this doesn't seem like a sacrifice to me. This seems like a marketing ploy to me. No, it absolutely is. The, the, the corpse of the World Cup isn't even cold yet, and he's already coming in there to make sure that he steals attention. And I don't think that's something he's ever shied away from. And right. the fact that he's doing this right now at just this moment, like it hasn't even been 24 hours since the World Cup final has been decided. And it's already been leaked to a reporter that he's been recruiting all these players, has got commitments, et cetera. So, yeah, it's, it's absolutely about stealing the spotlight one last time and building up hype. And again, ensuring what as, as reported in the story that this will be one last dance for him uh, with USA basketball. I, I don't know. I, part of me is really just curious to see what happens, like in terms of what roster they'll build and how good they'll be and whether or not they will be as dominant as they expect to be. But I agree that it's also uh, a lot of grandstanding and kind of insulting to the team that was just put together as well. Uh, I understand, obviously, that they didn't uh, do particularly well. But maybe a few of those players probably will have an opportunity to compete with the Olympics next year. I don't know. It's such a so it's such a bizarre thing to do like so quickly. Like, yeah, wouldn't he have waited like a couple of months and said, "Oh yeah, no, I plan on participating." Like maybe even on media days. Like yeah, you know, when he's asked about it, make sure that Dave McNenman poses a question to him uh, in a media yeah. day about what he thinks about the Olympics, then he would have been happy to answer. He's like, "Yeah, I'll be there," and you know, then it would have been a big story in media day. But to do so right now is particularly damaging to the players who were just on the team. I'll note that the athletic does report that James Everett quote started well before the USA world cup team lost at the world cup. and was not related to whether this summer team won or lost. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm even willing to believe that, right? Like I'm even willing to be like, okay, sure. But then I'm even more doubly annoyed where I'm like, then where were you this summer? Right. You no, know, and LeBron had had an injury. I get that. Like he really did. He had a serious foot injury that he played through, and he had to carry um, Anthony Davis's just completely roasted behind all the way through the Western Conference Finals of four games. But in general, I think my my other takeaway, the other guys on this is is I'm like, where were you guys this summer? Like you let these guys go over there and do all this and then suffer this embarrassment. And the answer is because nobody thinks of the FIBA world cup as legitimate or prestigious. They want to be in the Olympics. They want to win the gold medal. They want to do the extra work, but like team USA is part of FIBA. Like it competes in the FIBA world cup and like you're in or you're not. And it seems weird to me to be like, well, I'll show up for the, the important events. No, right. in Paris, that sounds cool. Like, right. come on, guys! Like, it's you know, you're you're being asked to represent your country on uh, in international competition, regardless of the stage. Like, that's a big deal. It's not a big deal for LeBron because he transcends it. Fine, right. but some of these other guys, I did. I always actually amazed at this that Steph Curry has never been on. I I did not know that Steph um, has not been in the Olympics. I was I was really surprised by that. No, I wasn't. I, I knew it was a couple of World Cup appearances. Uh, and then I, I don't remember the specific years of that, but 
I know they had like Chris Paul, right? And they had like Deron Williams at one point. Like they've had a, a number of other, you know, guards that could Dame Lillard filled in last year or last Olympics rather. So there have been a number of players not named Steph Curry to participate. So it's a good opportunity. And look, it's fun. I mean, the the, the whole opening ceremony to be there, to, to be part of the, well, not, not won't be part of the Olympic Village, but just, you know, the, the camaraderie of athletes and everything else like that. It is very different because it's such a wide, scope of sports that are covered in the Olympics as opposed to just, you know, a, you know, a number of international teams for the FIBA World Cup. And the Philippines, as nice as it might be, doesn't compare to Paris, probably, in the, in, at least in the viewpoint of a lot of these players. I see all that. It's just, I don't know. Uh, it, it, I don't know. I don't know what to say about it other than it just sucks that it happens so quickly. And and you it's, conversely, you're seeing like quotes from Mikhail Bridges saying, you know, if he was asked to participate in the Olympics next year, if he do it, he's like, yeah, I don't see any any world in which I would say no because it's such an honor to represent the country. It's like, well, and then all of a sudden that's ignored because LeBron and Jason Tatum and whomever else says, no, 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 I'm ready now. I want to, I want to go to Paris. I want to represent Team USA. Yeah. But you know, hey, they'll be heavy favorites, obviously, if they bring that level of talent. Although it'll be interesting to see if uh, Nikola Jokic plays next next summer for Serbia. Would they be the immediate favorites, right? If they they can assemble the super team oh, of yeah. Americans, they would. It'll be them, and then Canada, and then Serbia. If Jokic plays. Yeah, who was missing from Team Canada this year? Was there anybody who was who said it? Okay. All right. And Wiggins. Although right. Team Team Canada's, uh, I believe it was either the coach or the director made some comments that kind of alluded to like, hey, if you were part of this, you're gonna get you like you you have a spot. So right. we'll see. Jamal had an injury. Um, his knee was still not was acting up, so, well, not an injury, but had had injury concerns. Um right. we'll see how that influences things, but you know, we'll be, we'll be interesting. And if they can, in fact, um, knock off reigning uh, gold cup, gold medalist and FIBA World Cup MVP, Dennis Schroeder. So, <laughs> credit, credit to old, old Dennis Schroeder. Uh, on the other side, uh, speaking of, of FIBA World Cup, Luka Doncic went out kind of sad. So I want to have a conversation with David about this question. Is Luka Doncic overrated, underrated, or properly rated? We'll do that on the other side when we return on Locked On NBA. Right now, I want to tell you about Ibotta. You know, summer's wrapping up. And so that means you're going to want some new clothes for the fall. But your closet shouldn't be the only thing growing when you make those purchases. Now you can also watch your cash back grow with each purchase with Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. So you can make sure that you're being you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and you can get your cash back. It's just that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year. That could cover the cost of his entire shopping trip. Or you could use your cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing or that game you're dying to go to or that fancy dinner that you've been craving. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. But with Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta using the code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D. That's Ibotta in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKED. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA.
back here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys making this part of your week. Uh, make sure to check out tomorrow's show with John Corrales and Jake Madison. On Thursday, you've got Nick Engstadt and Pat the Designer. And on Fridays, David's partner, Wes Goldberg, along with my partner, Adam Mares, on Friday's show. All right, so I, I wanted to ask David this question because I think it's an interesting one. Luka Doncic put up some absolutely incredible numbers in FIBA, as he tends to always do. His numbers are always spectacular. Uh, made some awesome plays, but Slovenia goes down. They wind up bowing out. Not only do they lose, but they wind up losing in pretty disappointing fashion. With him being ejected for complaining at the official again, as he has done all throughout this tournament, uh, he did play after in the uh, consolation games, which I have a, you know, I, I have some level of appreciation for him, you know, giving the fans a show there in Manila, watching him uh, put up those pretty passes before they, um, what happened? Oh yeah, they lost again. So look, I, I have taken a lot of heat from, from Mavericks fans for being a little bit of a hater. My thing here is Luga fits very, very nicely into a conversation, which I think is important, which I think it's important to be accurate. Like Luka Doncic is one of the best players in the world. That is undeniable. You look at the staff, the production, you watch him play on a nightly basis, and you're like, man, there's a lot I can criticize about Luka's approach to the game from the foul baiting to the incessant whining on, de- on why he should be getting back on defense to his defensive ability, conditioning. Like none of that changes that he's incredible. Part of this is if we're going to hold Luka up as one of these elite, amazing top five level players – then I think that it's only right that we hold those kind of criticisms against him. It can't just be like, well, he puts up the numbers and you can, and the Mavericks roster we don't think is great. So it's not his fault. But no, like there are, there, there are holes in every player's game. I can point out some with Nikola Jokic's and Giannis's quick, and everybody's. Quick, quick question. Yeah. Don't you cover Nikola Jokic? I mean, I you just described, you just described a very similar player, somebody who's in the top five, incessant whining. Poor conditioning, et cetera, et cetera. Like, wow. it, does that remove Jokic from the conversation as one of the best players, if not the best player on the planet? I don't think it does. So I'm not sure exactly why these things are being held against a player like Luka Doncic when they're not held against, or at least they're not held any longer. And I think that's what we're failing to consider here is that once upon a time, Jokic, and I think by many peers or many, not necessarily peers, but also fans of the NBA kind of view him as, ah, oh, he's, he's a fine player, he's okay, whatever. But I, they don't like the whining. They don't like the complaining. They don't like the fact that he's you know poorly conditioned and all these things. But he just happens to have won the championship this past year. But, I mean, two, three seasons ago, those criticisms were held against him, and he wasn't viewed as a top 10 player, maybe even not even a top 20 player a few seasons ago. So I don't know. I, I, I think it's changed and uh, in, in that perception, and it will continue to change for Dodge. I, I Look, I, I admit – that Doncic probably complains a little bit more heartily than Jokic does. That doesn't necessarily change the fact that Jokic does complain too much, that he also has been known to get frustrated, as you put it before, and throw an occasional elbow looking at you, Marquise Morris. And, and look, I, I, you know, I just think these things have kind of been overlooked. So we're, we're, like, when we're viewing this whole question, you're asking the question here, it was he's overrated or underrated or properly rated. Like, what's the rating and whose rating is it that we're taking into consideration here? I think a, a good estimation of that is that he's been, he's, I think, second on MVP odds now. And he was the favorite in preseason the last two years. So, like, the market expectation, that's a, a betting conversation is different. But the market expectation was for him to at least have the best chance to an MVP. And I, I do wonder it, how much of our assessment of the Mavericks 
he falls into this category of guys where I look at, you, you want to compare Jokic, you, you put Jokic with Austin Rivers and Will Barton and those guys, and they're making the second round in 2021. And then they get, you know, they get swept by the Warriors in 2022 versus Luca. I, I I don't necessarily know. Like, I don't think his, his supporting cast is great. Right. I don't think I'm not looking at this and being like, they're awesome. I do think that we wind up ignoring how much the way that teams play reflect what their superstars want. And I think even the heat to a certain degree are subject to this, even with as influential as heat culture and Spolster's coaching is, I think that they would probably admit that they've adapted to what Jimmy wants. Like, Oh, no doubt. You you make concessions for what your superstar wants. And that's where I kind of get into the, the, honestly, the crux of this. I can forgive the whining because as you mentioned, Jokic does that. Honestly, every superstar does. It's about whether you're whining when you should be getting back on defense or whether you're whining in stoppages, right? Um, Conditioning, uh, that's a separate question. I I think Jokic is actually in pretty good shape. Um, Better shape now than he was. Yeah, than he was a couple of years ago. But for me, the bigger thing is that uh, Luca puts up amazing numbers. Yeah, because he has the ball all the time. Like he's, I, I made this comparison a year ago and people were outraged when I was like, he's Harden. That's what he is. That's how he plays. And they were outright raged by that notion. And now it's kind of indisputable that, yeah, no, it's like, what does he do? He draws a, a ton of fouls. He takes a lot of step backs. He's really, he's moderately efficient for the level of usage he takes on, which is hard. Now everybody can do that. I want to be very clear on this. Like not everybody can be uh, like most guys are inefficient. If you give them that usage, it's tough. Um, but they play that way. And that to me that holds back Dallas and it makes the role players look worse because there's no ball movement and you're not making like how many times do we see ball movement teams where guys look better because everybody's sharing the ball. So I think kind of my, my question here, as far as the question of underrated, overrated or properly rated is, do you think that Luca is not responsible for any of the limitations that Dallas has had, some of the limitations Dallas has had, or like half of the limitations that Dallas has had? Uh, Wow. Um, Probably even more than half, I think. I think it's fair to put that kind of play because, again, as the the straw that stirs the drink, uh, you need to be able to make sure it's it's drinkable. And and I think that's been part of the problem with the Mavs is that they've catered to him on a lot of different things. And I think that kind of temperament has defined the team culture and not for the better. And I think that's problematic. And I think it also happens to do, he, he's explained it so many times that at some point you just kind of dismiss whatever explanation as plausible and realistic and believable as they all might be. If he say a hundred times, I need to, I know the emotions get to me. I just get so you know excited about this play or this game or this competition or this you know, representing my country. There have been a men, a men, you know, many different excuses or, or reasons, explanations on his part as to why he gets to this point. But it doesn't change it. It doesn't. You know, he, he has he still does need to be accountable for this behavior. And I think he's also been given a lot of freedom, a lot of you know, it's been uh, a lot of slack over the course of his career because he's been so talented and being a young player that was a professional level player at such a young age, I don't think he had the opportunity to mature emotionally the way his game has matured. So I I think that's 
somewhat problematic. I, I do think he needs to be better. I, I just, you know, the original question was about rating, and I think he's properly rated. He is a top five player in the NBA, if not the world. And that being the case, I think as such, we should hold him accountable. And, and if that's the question, then yes, I think he does need to improve. I think he would be the first to admit it. I think Mass fans would be the first to admit it as well, uh, or second in this case. And, and I think, you know, we should be open about that conversation that he has flaws in who he is as a player and his game and a lot of those manifest in really ugly, temperamental, and childish ways. I have him number four on the Elite 100 that I put out, so I can't say that it, like – I can't say, yeah, he's overrated being included in these top five conversations. Oh, by the way, I have him number four. You know, right. that's how he's good great. he is. He's right? great. He's great. Uh, I don't think anybody do can think, deny that. Yeah, and, and I do think that's important is for him to get to, like, I, you would, I would never make these demands of, of various other players because they're never going to get there. But Luca really could be the best player in the world. But before no we, but there are people that are like, well, I think Luca's the best player. And it's like, whoa, okay. Before we get there, we're going to need to solve for some of these things. I think that as, these criticisms you can't you can have some of them because as you mentioned with Jokic, there there are those but you can't have all of them you can't be isocentric bad defense whining all the time and out of shape like gonna have to solve some of them some of these things are gonna have to be a little bit solved so um it's an interesting conversation yep uh particularly i think your comments on Jokic. i think next time we may have to ask is nicole Jokic? Overrated, underrated, or properly rated? It's a good maybe question. We'll, good maybe question. we'll do that ne- next time. Uh, on the other side, some um, hmm, uh, hmm, infuriating news about a current NBA player, as well as the NBA is set to crack down on load management next season. We'll give you the details on the other side when we return on Locked On NBA. <laughs> Back here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys being with us. Uh, we have some news that we're going to go ahead and share in case you missed it. Uh, we're not going to comment on it because of any number of factors. I don't want to talk about the basketball side because it's gross. It's an allegation. Uh, we're early on in the process. The news comes from ABC, which reports that Houston guards, Houston Rockets guard Kevin Porter Jr. was arrested in New York City for allegedly assaulting his girlfriend, former WNBA player, um, I believe her name is Kassir. Uh, Kaiser, Kaiser, Kaiser. Kaiser Gondrezic. Thank you, yeah. David. I uh, apologize for not knowing that. And she was treated for a cut on the right side of her face and neck pain, as well as the reports of a broken bone as well. Uh, he was formally charged with assault and strangulation. Um, she is apparently, according to Locked On uh, Rockets host Jackson Gatlin, the daughter of... John Lucas as well. Um, so oh my God. kind of consider this, there. As, I didn't know that. John Lucas, assistant coach to the Houston Rockets, John Lucas? Uh, it is, I'm sorry, not yeah, not daughter, goddaughter. That's important. Goddaughter. Uh, well. She is the goddaughter of John Lucas, corner Jackson. <sighs> oh, so, man. Um, Porter's been, you know, his NBA career, I think, has been on ice, and he's 
does not have a sterling reputation in locker rooms either. And those are always things that you want to be careful with because sometimes that can be character assassination or whatever, but this certainly is an entirely different matter. Um, and obviously hopefully this will be resolved in, in a manner that reflects justice and we'll actually see uh, consequences held regardless of it. But want to give you the update on that. You have anything else you want to add? No, uh, the league has an opportunity to do something of value, and they kind of screwed the pooch royally on that. And that's an understatement with uh, regarding Miles Bridges and uh, the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, and it just this is an interesting. No, interesting is not the right word. It, it tragic is more than anything else. But I think the 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 idea that a player who's talented like Bridges can basically you know avoid any significant problems. Uh, versus a player like Porter Jr., who's on the fringes of his NBA career, and how the league handles it, how the Rockets handle that, uh, will be what I find to be tragically interesting because there should be something that's constant. Like there, there should be some kind of regulation there regarding these kinds of terrible acts and some punishments that should be taken into consideration. But I, I, there's, we're still early in the process, right? I guess we have to wait and see what it is, but I don't think that there's any doubting that the bones don't break themselves and Porter Jr. is responsible. And so the league should take some immediate action. All right. In other news, moving on, uh, the NBA reportedly is set to deploy some new measures to try and curb load management. The Athletic reported, as well as Adrian Wozorowski of ESPN, the league is essentially looking to increase severe penalties for resting multiple players that qualify as a star. And that is if they have been an all-star or had an all-NBA selection in the last three seasons. So that's how those guys uh, qualify, as well as uh, resting on national TV nights. That one's additionally um, notable to look at. Wojnarowski's report includes some pretty stiff penalties, up to a million dollars after the third violation of this as the season goes along. The natural response from everybody that covers the league is, oh, so instead of just listing them as DNP rest, they'll just list them as DNP knee soreness is kind of the indication that has kind of gone along. This does kind of get to the point, though. If somebody says like, hey, you know, he's got knee tendonitis or he's got knee soreness or he's suffered a very, very minor knee strain, very, very, very minor knee strain, right? You don't really blink an eye at them missing a game. But if he says like, uh, yeah, you know, he's he's fine but we're not going to play him tonight, then that gets frustrating, especially when it's been as rampant as it has been. There, I think this is part of a coordinated effort along with the MBPA who started talking about this as summer league because I think MBPA is tired of the um, perception that they don't want to play too. There's been a, a pretty strong pushback from all sides on trying to correct this and trying to get to a point where guys play a little bit more to knock off the perception and – that you're able to shift these conversations, particularly heading into a media rights conversation with a lot of mm -hmm. questions about streaming rights and what that's going to look like as things continue to shift in the media landscape. Do you think this is going to be effective at all, David? I do. I think it, they'll find a way to implement it. I think the, there was something uh, included in Woj's report there that there will be some process of uh, reviewing these things and investigating the legitimacy of these kinds of claims and when a player sits out and things of that sort. And, you know, it's kind of I, I cover a team with a star level player. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, that can be somewhat temperamental and a little difficult to deal with. And uh, he has taken games off uh, this player and he has announced that the, he will not be playing 
shortly before tip-off, and that kind of puts everybody in a strange position. At the same time, like uh, he, he, I think, deals with a number of lingering injuries and has over the course of his Heat tenure, and so I, I don't know how to measure these things and how to balance them. You know, it's like, does he deserve a day of rest? Absolutely. Like, like the guy limps all the time for a good goddamn reason. He's hurt for most of the regular season. Uh, and then we kind of expect him to turn it on to postseason when it matters most. But does it matter when he misses a Tuesday against, you know, a, an inferior sub 500 team or something like that? I, I don't know. Uh, these things do add up. And then there's a the fan thing to consider. And, and look, there was one fan that had, Claimed to travel a great deal of distance to see this particular player. And as a result, the next day, there was a great deal of photos and, you know, uh, merchandise and things of that sort, signed basketballs and other memorabilia uh, that was kind of a, a mea culpa for having set out the game the night before. So, I, I look, it it's all kind of balances out in, in some degree. I like that the league – well, how about this? A lot of fans appreciate that the league is doing something very publicly – and saying, no, we're making sure that, you know, we're keeping our players and making sure that they play. I think it's going to be somewhat effective. I don't think it's going to erase the problem. Like, players are going to need rest every once in a while, and, and I don't think that's going to change, and I think they'll be given the opportunity to do so. But in context of what you're saying, you know, the media rights deal, at least putting on a public show once again that we are invested in this league and making sure that the, the players present themselves when they need to, especially with the in-season tournament that they're trying to get off the ground. Uh, I, I could see why it's being launched uh, when it is, at least. I don't know. Do you see it being efficient or effective? I think to a degree. I think I'm thinking with you that it's going to solve some. It's going to help the problem, right? It's going to alleviate it. If it's not going to solve it. I think one of the important dynamics here is you can look at this and say, okay, but they're going to find the team. And if the player decides to sit out, the player's yeah. position has been that the training staff is effectively telling them. The players talked about like several players have talked about this, but the training staff comes to them and is like, look, I get it. You want to play, right. but this right. increases by 10% your chances of suffering an ACL tear. And that's not worth it to us. So we're going to back you off until we get to, a, and so you can rest. So we remove that 10% chance or whatever. And if you're a player and most players will say like, I want to play, I want to compete. I know my job. Like they, a lot of guys do take it seriously. Not all, but a lot of guys do take it seriously. Not everybody, or Leonard, but most guys, I think, take it very seriously. And so if that's the case, right, they want to compete. But if the training staff is constantly on you and they're talking about, like, your ability to for your future earnings, right, you want to be in, like, okay, fine. And then you are the one that takes the grief for it. And typically in these situations, I'm pretty much like, hey, let's back off of the player empowerment. I do think there are guys that just don't play. I think there are guys that are just like, eh, nah, I'm not because like I've been in locker rooms and heard conversations where guys are frustrated. Right. That this guy didn't show up that. Yeah. Like he's got the, I've heard this is a lot of years ago, but I heard this conversation, which was, yeah, he's got a calf strain. Big deal. I'm playing with a torn ligament in my elbow, but I'm out there like that. Those are the conversations right. that happen. Right? right. But if a guy is especially in a contract year, changes the discussion so some of these elements i think will help um one thing i think is also notable is that the league the league as a general the teams have gotten a lot more brazen with just being like yeah he's resting because you guys scheduled us on a three and four with transatlantic travel so maybe next time you won't do this and then we won't rest this guy and so this kind of removes that brazenness to be like no no, no he's got an injury 
right? When in reality, what the teams will say is, hey, why don't you back off the schedule? Right. But also the teams and players are like, but but we still get paid the same. Don't. Right. Don't right. That. So I, I, yeah, for those people, and I'm so surprised the number of people still saying lower the number of games played to below 60 a season <laughs> that is never going to happen. I can't. I don't know. I don't think they'll ever reduce the number of games played in the regular season. And I understand that you're going to lose some interest. It's going to wane over that long a period of time trying to follow all these teams. And so, I mean, it wanes for me and I cover the league and I love basketball. And so I, I think that's just a, a natural byproduct of how long the season is, but yeah. that's not, I, the league is never going to reduce the number of games. So if you can forget that idea altogether. That's never going to happen. Yeah, probably not. Um, I will say, and I've had this suggestion before, if you if you get rid of a lot of these road non-con games, if you just knock off a chunk of those and replace them with division gains, you cut mm-hmm. down travel by a huge amount. Like, we'd have more rivalry opportunities, and the cost is that the fans in Orlando don't get to see LeBron one night, and they just get to have to wait till next year. I don't understand why we don't do this. Like, small schedule changes, you could keep the same number of games and remove a huge amount of travel when there's been a lot of studies done that the travel is a key element that causes a lot of the fatigue. So, just a, something to throw out there. The way the schedule is structured is also part of the problem. Uh, all right, let's get wrap it up for Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us. If you want to hear more from David, make sure to check out Locked On Heat as they continue their ramp up towards Media Day. You can catch me over on Locked On Nuggets as well. Make sure to uh, rate, review, and subscribe. Come back tomorrow for John Corrales and Jake Madison. Appreciate you guys being with us. Have yourselves a great week. We'll see you guys again next time on Locked On NBA. (laughs) 